All right, here we go. Welcome to the Remy and Casey Unfiltered Podcast, episode number eight. Hello. Sorry I wasn't here on Tuesday for the Unfiltered Podcast, guys. I don't think you need to apologize. Yeah, it's, it's okay. It's fine. Um, if you did not listen to the show yesterday, so Wednesday I took the day off because I was with my wife in the hospital. And it all kind of started on, I think, Monday. I came home from work. I uh, took the dogs to the vet. When I came back, she was like, ah, my stomach just isn't feeling good. Just not feeling awesome. And I was like, okay, well, you know, stomach bug goes around, virus, whatever. It'll go away in 12, 24 hours. Whatever we just that learned that the summer causes diarrhea. Could yeah, have been there. there you right. go. Yeah. And I, I, that's what happened. I went to Walgreens. Heat wave? Oh, yeah. <laughs> got some Pepto-Bismol. Got, like, all the stuff that you would get if you were going to treat a stomach thing. And it obviously did nothing. Um, and our game plan was we'll sleep on it, see if that cures it, wake up the next morning, see what's going on. And it just got worse. Like she was describing it as a pain she's never felt before. Uh, there were a couple times where she had described it as like contractions, like when you're giving birth. <laughs> and I was like, okay, that. well, if it's that painful, it may not even be the stomach at that point. Um, so we, you know, WebMD'd it. Went down all the list of symptoms, and every single one of them is like appendicitis, appendicitis, appendicitis. And did she say anything about pain from her belly button? Yeah, all of it. Like I, I said, one of the symptoms was if you cough, it makes you want to vomit or it makes you go into extreme pain. And she went to go cough, just intentionally cough. And she said she couldn't make herself do it because she knew exactly what was going to happen. Like, she knew in anticipation of that that it was going to be bad. And so I took off from the show a little bit early on Tuesday morning, and we got all the kids. We got the kids in the car because they're on summer break, and we all went to the emergency room at Mercy South, which never had any problems with before. I've gone to the emergency room there before and maybe there's two people ahead of me we got in there it was packed there were people that looked like they were camping out for tickets to like a taylor swift concert because they've been there for so long and they've had you know they've got blankets on them or whatever and uh the only other time when i had come (laughs) to an er like that lauren had fallen or something uh, just after uh, giving birth, I don't know if it was Emerson or if it was Leo, but we went to an ER and literally waited for eight hours in the waiting room, <laughs> not even like taken back to a room at all. And I think we got back the next day, went in at like 7 p.m. that night, got back home at like 10.30 a.m. the next day. Wow. <laughs> it was insane. Has this always been a thing, like emergency rooms? Has I that always been? I think it has, and I think, like, it's not talked about enough or shown enough. I think, especially in, like, TV or movies, like, you need to go to the ER. Right. Suddenly they're, like, taken care of. But I don't think that's really the case hardly ever. Yeah. I just went home last weekend, and one of the hospitals in KC, they have a big billboard, and it has, like, a... Uh, updated yeah Yeah. it's like the current wait time is 33 minutes right we have one of those for the red butt hospital too yeah i mean it's a big deal i did a little bit of research just because i'm sure that there's logistical things right that cause the overcrowding in er's and one of the issues and you mentioned this earlier casey was that non-emergent patients are coming in to be treated in these kinds of settings 
So a lot of people are using the ER as their primary care physician or urgent care mm-hmm. because I, I, I'm sure it bills differently on insurance. I have no idea what like a bill from an urgent care would be as opposed to an emergency room. I see emergency room and I see dollar bills. Like yeah. <laughs> I think immediately, especially if you get admitted, you're going to be paying some money for this visit. Right. Um, but yeah, they say that early morning hours, such as three or four a.m., are known for being the least busy in uh, emergency rooms. Um, but there is a shift change at seven a.m. and seven p.m. So that if you're going to go to the emergency room and you don't want to stake out for a while, probably stay away from the shift changes as well. So we're sitting there. There's like these. Dudes that are coming in from construction sites, just bloody shirts, gashes in their face, gashes in their head. They're just sitting there. I said it on the air this morning, and I don't know if you guys know what I'm talking about with that Saturday Night Live sketch, but it was it was so real. Like it was it was all being played out in front of me. Guy walks in with his amputated hand in a bag of ice and is told to, you know, sit down and wait for however many hours. <laughs> I, whenever I had my dog bite accident like a year ago, I can't express the anger, like the pissed offness in my stomach that I felt. Because the first place I went when that happened was to an urgent care. And I was at urgent care for an hour. They like saline me out and drowned me. And finally they're on the phone. One's got my dad on the phone. Um, One's got Barnes Hospital on the phone. And they're like, yeah, we're about to close here. So we're going to send you over to Barnes. And I was like, to the ER? And they were like, yeah, we just, we're about to close. So we're going to send you to the ER, knowing that it was going to be eight hours. And I remember I like protested. I was like, we're going to sit there for too long. Like, I need stitches. This needs to happen now. And they were like, yeah, it just is what it is. I can't express how calm they were like, you know, it is what it is. Because you're on a timetable for that. Like, after a while, yeah. there's scarring issues and all right. that stuff, right? Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. It, and it really is. That's all you can think about is yourself when you're in that moment. Like, am I? Are they gonna put me up in front of other people? Are they gonna go strictly in order? Like, because if you do the math, and there's 45 other people in the waiting room with you, and every one of those people are taking a half an hour to an hour right. at least, you're gonna be there for some time. You know, maybe the key is just to tell them that you have breathing issues as soon as you walk in. Like, you broke your foot. And like, hey, I can't breathe. I'm sorry. Oh, and they'll take you back immediately. They'll freaking do it. And that's what the people who, like, they just want to be seen or they'll go in. They'll be like, yeah, I'm just having some chest pains. They'll get they'll get pulled back yeah. first. And Sound then the guy alone. from the construction site who actually needs something yeah. is going to sit there in the corner Bleed for three out. hours. Uh, they said that vomiting might get you treated faster in this list that I found. Puke on. In the, uh, things that the they don't want you to know or things that uh, doctors have admitted to. Our nurses. Uh, did, so you, did you see anything, like, really cool in the waiting room? Because I keep thinking about, like, Grey's Anatomy, and I'm like, okay, there's, like, an episode where a guy has a pole shoved into his stomach, <laughs> or, oh. like, somebody got cut in half. I think or... the ambulance goes in a different entrance, because Dang I it. definitely heard the ambulances happening, and those obviously take priority when it comes to the emergency room, uh, but I think they go in a different way. A hole didn't I appear in the ground anywhere? Didn't see that, no. There's a lot of uh, bickering between mothers and 35 year old sons and there was a guy that yelled at a nurse and just a lot of the jerry springer style stuff going yeah. on in there um but yeah she was brought back it, long story short they diagnosed her with acute appendicitis said if we waited another day it would have ruptured which would have caused all these complications that happen with your appendix and uh so they got her in on that same day for surgery which i thought was amazing That's pretty quick 
but right place, right time. You know, if you would have went to urgent care and they misdiagnosed it and they're just like, hey, it's a virus or hey, whatever, here's some antibiotics, you know, they could have been at home just, uh, you know, in so much pain. And then we're talking like ambulance kind of stuff. Right. Um, but I just had this feeling, and I think she did too, or just go to the ER. So you're in a hospital setting. They've got all the tests. They've got the CT scans. They've got all the stuff. And uh, they got her in. She did the thing. Half an hour surgery. Bada bing, bada boom. She's back in the bed. And, of course, she's feeling some pain today because, you know, those incisions aren't, they're not shallow. There's some good drugs. Yeah, there's there's definitely some good drugs going through her system. I uh, I was unsure what the appendix did. I'd always heard the appendix is just one of those things in your body that just evolutionary evolutionarily is null and void. Like it doesn't matter. It's obsolete. Some somebody once told me that it was for digesting hard materials like soil and things like that. From like hmm. I don't know when humans were just becoming bipedal. Who knows. Uh, but then there's new studies that have been done, and I don't know how widely accepted this is yet, but they, doctors have said that it's a safe house for good bacteria because it's basically on the end of your colon. It's just like this little... It's a little... Um, the cleany thing. <laughs> it's, it's like your hangy-down ball thing in the back of your throat, yeah. but it's on your colon. Okay, <laughs> interesting. Interesting. Uh, and uh, so that's gone now from my wife. Um, it's amazing that it, it seems like such a like a routine procedure, like a uh, tonsil or something yeah. like right. that. But like, yeah, I, I've never really been around anybody that's had the appendix issue or had it had it taken out. It seems like such a common thing. Fifteen percent of the general public will have appendicitis at some point in their mm-hmm. life, so it's not huge, but it's not uncommon. Um, the surgeon that did the that did the surgery on her. You know, I think he does several of these a week, so he was pretty well versed in it. But I had no idea how small the appendix was. Yeah, like I imagined it to be like a like a this organ, I bigger, I guess. But it says it's like the size of a finger. Yeah, liver sized. I uh, the the surgeon came in yesterday to talk to us in the room and just kind of give a lowdown on you know how long stitches would take to dissolve. Uh, like how much she can lift, you know, make sure the dogs aren't jumping up on you, those kinds of things. And I, I was like, I'm curious, where does the appendix go from here? What's its journey? Ew. And I didn't, I, but I didn't realize this. It goes to pathology where they actually bust it down and test it to make sure that it definitely was appendicitis. And it was. Hmm. Um, or if there's any other kind of thing going on there that... Just you know, to make sure, double check everything. They can find like cancerous stuff in that in that Crazy. tissue. I, I I was kind of hoping for a funny answer, like it goes to the like the landfill in Bridgeton or whatever. It goes but. to the kitchen downstairs. <laughs> yeah, because yeah. even I don't know. Once they break it down, like still, then what with it? Like I wonder where they're bio, disposing of stuff. Like biohazardous materials or something like that. I don't know. I'm sure that there's a, a safe way to, to dispose of human parts. Yeah, like the hospital's got to have like pipes that just go down to a certain. Like seriously, <laughs> I mean, hell. like think of all the operating rooms, like water and all that. They clean all these rooms out with. Where does that go? It's got to go in a pipe somewhere to some kind of yeah. facility. You're not taking all of that out in like a truck, like the needles. I'm just for imagining example. me thinking there's a pipe that goes straight to the earth. It comes out in like China. <laughs> yeah, it, it, go, it goes down the parts pipe. The waste has to go somewhere. <laughs> like, there's not a truck coming to pick it up like the needles. Incoming parts. What will it be today? Are you guys uh, afraid of, like, surgery stuff? I, I have this weird fear of, um, like, being put to sleep. So, did you ever see the movie Awake? 
back in the days, like 10, 15 years ago. It was about a guy that goes in for surgery, and I think it was like open heart surgery or bypass. Oh, yeah. And the 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 medicine to put him asleep doesn't work. Like, he's paralyzed. It paralyzes him. Yeah. But mentally, he can still hear, feel everything. And that just, like, tripped me out. And then I had my wisdom teeth taken out, and I feel like I remember briefly, like, kind of groggily waking up. Uh, and then I went right back out. Yeah. But I remember them like jerking on my jaw trying to get the teeth out. So I've always been afraid. I'm like, if I have to go for a real surgery, I'm going to wake up and feel it all. I kind of had that. Well, I had a colonoscopy when I was 20 and had a compl- – I thought I was going to be fine, but I had a total panic attack whenever I laid down in the bed and they started putting the IVs in me to <laughs> knock me out. I was freaking out, crying, hyperventilating. My mom and the nurses – had like hand on leg, hand on shoulder, holding me down until it like knocked me out. Wow! And I, I still remember. Unfortunately, that doctor was my neighbor, so he got to see too much of me. <laughs> and I still remember him saying, "If you just count down from ten, you won't remember the rest." And I don't even remember if I got to like nine. Yeah, that's wild. Yeah, I, I don't know why, but I've, I've always been okay. I'm, I'm a mess on my in my head. I think. But I'm not outwardly a mess, if that makes sense. Like not hyperventilating, hyperventilating like Casey. Although I feel like my brain is hyperventilating. <laughs> but I also had a that was my last treatment or my last surgery, I guess, procedure uh, was a colonoscopy. I don't know, three years ago or something. They just wanted to check and see and make sure everything was okay. Mm-hmm. They're like, all right, roll over on your side. And then she just, I could see the injection going in, and I don't know, maybe. Two seconds, and I was gone. Out. Best sleep of my life. I didn't realize they put you out for that. I thought you were awake. You can you can do both. You can actually do both. Really? You know, yes. I actually don't think it would have been that bad to be awake. I, in fact, I think if I ever have to get that done again, I because of the way I reacted, I don't know that I would want the anesthesia. Yeah. Ooh. There's actually <laughs> some insurance companies will not cover the anesthesia now, which is wild because uh, it is a procedure that can be done without and anesthesia is so expensive. And since insurance companies rule everything in our world of health, uh, that's uh, I actually they they pushed back on on my um, payments. Who needs yeah. that? They're like, you you don't need that. And I said, um, it was great not knowing anything and just waking up and being like, okay, oh, that's done. Sweet. Um, so, yeah, Lauren's good. She's recovering now at home and has a couple extra scars on her body now. But I'm just glad that, that everything worked out and she's good. Um, I found this list of secrets doctors would never tell you but do now. And one of the things here is, like Casey's, nothing surprises us. So the fact that your neighbor did your colonoscopy, he's probably just like, what? It's another butt. What are you going to do? Yeah. You know? They've got to have conversations in there. They're like in the operating room. You're out on the table. Like whether you've got a bunch of tattoos or they're talking about your naked body sitting there. At some point, there's conversations about you, right? There's got to be. I want to know what they're saying. I mean, the same way that we kind of talk about. Yeah. Artists yeah, or, behind yeah, closed people doors. People on a show at a concert you know? or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of patients give unrealistic pain range responses. So it was interesting when they asked my wife what her pain range was, like zero being nothing, 10 being the most pain you've ever been in your life. And she would be like, eh, like a five or a six. 17. Yeah. But I think that they, obviously they want to make you feel comfortable. So if you're in pain, here come the narcotics or whatever. Um... Another one is we don't want to see you for a simple flu or cold in the ER. And again, yeah. 
I think that that's why they are overcrowded. This is one I didn't ever think about was we may have just experienced a horrible trauma. And I often wonder this about doctors and nurses having to deal with people dying in like you witnessing that. Right. Maybe you're a part of the procedure. Maybe you're in the room. But I don't. That's the part where I don't know that I could handle that. I don't know that I would be able to go home that night and sleep easy. Yeah, it's not just like the death part of it, because then you have to have the human emotion part of it, like to talk to their family or you know whatever comes after that to notify them. So yeah. there's a lot that goes into that, yeah. other than just like the technical yeah. surgery part. It's oh, tough stuff. One of our friend groups has like the a lot of the girls are either teachers or nurses, and then there's a fire fighter and it's like well known amongst the group like oh katie's not here today she had a hard night at work like we all know what Mm -hmm. happened and i can't even imagine hearing everybody talk about it i mean i don't i don't know how nurses do it day in and day out i have no idea yeah we had we had some really really good nurses at uh, mercy and so thank you to all of those people also thank you to all the people that like stepped in uh, we got to, I, I met up with our good friend, Ashley, who took the kids that day. Uh, Lauren's parents dropped everything that they were doing and they came down. So they're at the house now. So we've got like full on response. The dogs are, they're boarded. So it's just, it, it was cool to see everybody kind of come through and, and, uh, and help out where, where needed. So, but yeah, she's good. Uh, that's, that's about it for that. I mean, do you guys have anything else you want to talk about? Not off the top of my head. Hospitaled out today. That was the um, highlight of the week. Yeah. Uh, Hopefully we won't be talking about any more hospital stays here in the near future. Um, But, yeah, I thank you guys for covering for me yesterday. And uh, I know it's it's so weird because you don't realize how much you miss somebody until they're gone. And then it's like, okay, we got to cover this, 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 and this like Casey, if you're gone, we got to cover this, 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 and this meet. If you're gone, got to cover this. It's mm-hmm. like, everybody has their own set of things that they do. And so I appreciate you guys for, don't uh, let it happen again for covering. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'll tell my wife. No <laughs> more appendixes. No more appendices. They cannot come out anymore. Uh, thank you for joining us on the Remy and Casey Unfiltered Podcast episode number eight. We'll be back next Tuesday with another episode. Thank you for joining us, and we'll see you next time. Bye-bye.